Forming the Life of a Franciscan, Part One, Chapter Thirteen, Page Sixty-Eight. Obedience, the local fellowship. Drawing again from the Franciscan tradition and from our Third Order principles, we'll consider the purpose and life of the local fellowship. The sweet fellowship among the early followers of Francis. Each day, they were conscientious in prayer, and working with their hands to avoid all idleness, the enemy of the soul. They rose conscientiously in the middle of the night, and prayed most devoutly with copious tears and sighs. They loved each other deeply, served one another. And took care of each other as a mother for an only and beloved child. Charity burned so ardently in them that it seemed easy for them to give their bodies to death, not only for the love of Christ, but also for the salvation of the soul or the body of their confreres. One day, when two of the brothers were walking along, they came across a simpleton. Who began to throw rocks at them? One of them, noticing that stones were being thrown at the other, ran directly in front of him, preferring that the stones strike him rather than his brother. Because of the mutual charity with which they burned, they were prepared to lay down their life in this way, one for the other. They were so rooted and grounded in humility and love. That one respected the other as father and master, while those who excelled by way of the office of prelate, or some grace, seemed humble and more self-effacing than the others. If it ever happened that one uttered an annoying word to another, his conscience troubled him so much so that he could not rest until he admitted his fault. He would humbly prostrate himself on the ground, so that his brother would place his foot over his mouth. If the brother who was offended refused to do this, then the brother who offended him, if he were a prelate, would order him to do so. If he were a subject, he would have a prelate give the order. In this way. With the grace of Jesus, anticipating and helping them, they strove to banish all ill will and malice from their midst, to preserve among them always perfect love, and to combat as far as possible each vice by practicing a corresponding virtue. From the Legend of the Three Companions, pages ninety-three and ninety-four. The communities of Jesus and Francis. When Jesus began his public ministry, he selected a community of brothers and sisters who became the nucleus of his church, representing his continuing life among us. These men and women lived closely with Jesus and with each other, sharing their love and their concern with each other and with the Master. Francis attracted others to himself as soon as he began to live a life of total dedication to the love of Jesus. Like Jesus, he found brothers and sisters 
who wanted to walk with him in the gospel way. Longing often for a life of solitude devoted entirely to prayer, Francis found community a mixed blessing. His brothers and sisters often disappointed him. They brought him both joy and grief. Joy and the struggle in community. Such has always been the way of community. In our human families, we struggle to find our own identity lest we be crushed by the common mind. When we choose to become part of the Franciscan community, we may struggle to find a common mind with brothers and sisters whose identities vary greatly from our own. We find brothers and sisters who are so close to us in the heart of our Lord Jesus that we want to cry for joy. We also find brothers and sisters who are deep mysteries in whom we must struggle to see the Christ who is our bond, our head, our Savior, and our salvation. Finding the Christ in our brothers and sisters is part of our Franciscan journey. As Jesus walked in a community of disciples who broke his heart through betrayal, denial, and misunderstanding, so we too walk in a community of love with those who will disappoint and puzzle us, but also love us more than we deserve. Jesus defined the relationship that we ought to have with our community. We are to be a servant to all. Community is a risk. All human creatures have a community of some sort because we were born in and for community. We cannot escape community. We can, however, go through life jumping in and out of different communities, avoiding responsibility and avoiding commitment. We who have chosen the Third Order, Society of St. Francis, have made a commitment not only to a rule and way of life, but also to a family. We have chosen to be part of a community that has a common way of life, but whose members may or may not appeal to us. It is easy to be deceived about families. We meet a few Franciscans who we think are soulmates, and we assume all the members will be equally appealing. Not so. The Franciscan family consists of all sorts, some of whom take great effort to love. Consider Jesus' community of followers. How many of them would you have enjoyed spending an afternoon with? The meticulous Judas Iscariot, concerned with his own expectations and whether Jesus would measure up to them, John 12, 4-6. The doubting Thomas, who was prepared to walk with Jesus to death itself, but not without many questions first, John 11 and 16, and John 20, 24-26. The headstrong Peter, whose performance was not always up to his bravado, Matthew fourteen twenty eight through thirty one, James and John, who were determined to be guaranteed first place, Mark ten thirty five through thirty seven, Mary Magdalene, who had been possessed by seven demons, Luke eight two, the fussy Martha, who begrudged her sister's choice to sit at Jesus's feet, Luke ten thirty eight forty two. 
Such persons were chosen by Jesus to be the foundation of his church. They were no easier to understand or to tolerate than were Francis, the impractical troubadour, Claire, the relentless, Juniper, the foolish, Leo, the devoted, or Elias, the betrayer. They were no better or worse company for an afternoon than are the brothers and sisters in our local fellowships, whose peculiarities and foibles we see so clearly. Are our brothers and sisters called to a life of solitude and prayer, whose hiddenness may be the most dumbfounding of all? The Responsibilities of Community Times will occur for all of us when prayer is our only way to be in community. Regular meetings with our brothers and sisters will prove to be impossible for practical, physical, emotional, or spiritual reasons. At those times, we should be most careful to pray with diligence for our community and to keep the area chaplain informed of any unusual circumstances. Community is our obligation as tertiaries, and community is work. The reports we make as novices and as professed are an aspect of community. They serve to make us obedient to one another and to form in each of us the mind of our Lord Jesus. Even tertiaries who are geographically isolated can participate in one of our fellowships without borders, which meet either online or by telephone. Information on these fellowships is available in the first pages of a directory and intercession list. Most of us will attend fellowship meetings in some form, the boring ones as well as the exhilarating ones, the organized as well as the chaotic, the secularized and the oh-so-holy, in order to unite our efforts with those of our brothers and sisters to build the body of Christ. We who try to follow our Lord Jesus in the way of St. Francis have not chosen an easy way, but we have chosen a way of joy because it is compatible with our God-given vocation to make our love for one another a witness to the light and love of Jesus. Expressions of Community in the Third Order The primary local community exists that we share our fellowship meetings, retreats and quiet days, and an occasional family outing, picnic, or community service. Annually, the fellowships in a geographical region gather together in regional convocation. Once every five years, the entire province gathers for a provincial convocation. All of these events help to build and strengthen our sense of being in community. The better we get to know each other, the more we share, the closer we become. But our responsibility to the local community does not end with these things. We must reach out to each other, supporting each other in times of grief and of celebration, building up our friendships and our love for each other between events, and always praying for each other. One very important part of community is being willing to share 
the hard times as well as the joyful ones. If you are having problems in your life, share them. Let your brothers and sisters help. Too often, members of the fellowship will go through devastating experiences and not tell the rest of us about it until after the fact. Think how much easier it is to carry a heavy load with the help of many hands. This also is an opportunity to discover humility by letting others serve you. Community depends demands risk taking, not only in reaching out to one another, but also in allowing others to reach out to us. It may or may not be true that it is more blessed to give than to receive, but receiving is definitely more difficult, and often seems to carry more of a blessing as we are exposed to God's love, as shown to us through other people. Perhaps too, we must first learn to receive before we can truly learn to give. Allowing the fellowship family to help in times of need is as important as helping a brother or sister in need. Aspects of the local fellowship. Often, people outside the order do not understand what we are trying to do, and it is in the fellowship that we are able to connect with others who really do understand. Who are trying the same approach to God, being able to come together and communicate with others who do understand, is an important function of the fellowship. Fellowship meetings are times of being together as a family rather than meetings per se. We get the sense that whenever we are together, it is a party. Regardless of our purpose for gathering, we tend to primarily joyously celebrate God. We often share Eucharist or the daily office, prayer, a common meal. We share in Franciscan-centered discussions or study, and we simply enjoy each other's company. Franciscans tend to be open to the Holy Spirit's leading. We try not to be too structured about our meeting formats, while making sure we allocate enough time for prayer, study, and fellowship. We allow for the promptings of the Spirit, while providing some organization to keep us on track. We seek a good balance between structure and freedom. The fellowship convener is recommended by the fellowship, and appointed by the fellowship guardian. After consultation with the minister provincial, conveners are selected yearly from among the professed members of the fellowship. Novices are typically not allowed to be conveners or co-conveners, although they can serve in this way when extenuating circumstances prevent a professed member from fulfilling this role. There must be consultation between the fellowship guardian and formation guardian before a novice may be recommended. The convener's role in the fellowship is basically to arrange meetings, and to see that necessary news and meeting notices are conveyed to the members. The professed convener also usually conducts the novicings and professions. If the minister provincial, minister, the provincial chaplain or area chaplain are present, they may be asked to preside, 
as may a professed person requested by the person to be novice or professed. The convener is in regular contact with the provincial fellowship guardian and keeps them informed of any fellowship issues that may develop. Pastoral care of the local fellowship is another essential part of the job. Professed members of the fellowship have a role in helping to discern vocations of those in formation. They are asked to provide an evaluation of the candidate at the time of a person's novicing, mid-novice review, and election to profession. The evaluation is usually written by the convener based on discussion and input from all professed members of the fellowship. All opinions, positive and negative, should be included. If problems or questions arise, the formation director and or fellowship guardian should be contacted immediately. All members of the fellowship have a role in contributing to its well-being and sharing the responsibilities, such as helping to organize retreats and convocations, helping with fellowship communications, and most of all, by participating regularly in meetings and events. When a member is often absent due to involvement in good and important activities, it may be time for them to explore whether the primary call is to the Third Order Society of St. Francis or to another path. A responsibility of the fellowship is to reach out by phone, cards, emails, and or visits to those unable to be physically present at gatherings. Here are the reflection questions for this section. Number one, as you reflect upon other groups who have supported you in your spiritual journey prior to your participation in TSSF, how important is it to you to feel part of a community? What do you gain from being part of a community? Number two, what are some of the gifts that you bring to faith groups which nurture the sense of community among its members? Number three, how is your fellowship helping you to become a Franciscan? What changes to your fellowship and or to you would make it even more effective? And finally, number four, if you cannot participate regularly with a local TSSF fellowship, how do you or will you experience Franciscan community?